You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number, what is it, Brandon? Five, two, five, four. Okay, 254. I am Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowden of bleedinggreennation.com. We, in this episode, are going to review some of the Eagles' biggest concerns, uh, some sneaky, under-the-radar concerns, uh, heading into the 2022 season, uh, more and maybe more, uh, more specifically the 2022 training camp. Uh, of course, I published my uh, 10 reasons the Eagles will be a dumpster fire uh, a few weeks ago. So this is already uh, uh, covered territory for me. Brandon's going to uh, get into some of his concerns, maybe that don't show up in that article as well. Uh, but don't worry, we are also we're not all negative here. We are eventually going to get to. Uh, reasons for optimism, which uh, personally, I also did a, a, a post on that as well. And it was a lot easier coming up with reasons for optimism than it was for reasons for pessimism. Uh, so let's just make that clear up front. We're not just being haters. We're just going to cover the team objectively from both sides. If you don't want to hear the negatives, don't turn the podcast off. Just <laughs> mute it and play it all the way through. Thank you right. very much. Brandon, what's going on, buddy? Jimmy, there are 11 days until players report for training camp, which means we're, what, 12 days away from the first actual Eagles training camp practice ahead of the, the 27th will be the first yes. practice, I believe. And we are recording this for the record on July 15th on Friday morning. So, yeah, it's coming around soon, but we have some more podcasts and things to get to. So we're going to do that before we start today's show. I mean, it's already started, but before we really get into the meat of the episode, I use the word meat on purpose. That is a pun to bring up righteous felon, craft jerky. I knew you didn't know where I was going with that, Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> no one no one knew. Uh, righteous felon, craft jerky. Go to righteousfelon.com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off. On behalf of righteous felon and Dan Klausner, our good friend who you know appears on the pod sometimes and works for them. Uh, just they want to thank you for being really good supporters. Just got in some of the you know the numbers of how that's going for them, and, and they're very happy with the relationship. So that really shows that the listeners like Righteous Felon Jimmy and uh, Righteous Felon really appreciates the listeners. I know you know some of their diehard fans, like a Rich Bobby, for example, they've sent him like you know free gear and, and I feel like snacks and stuff. So they like to take care of their listeners. Um, so why don't you get yourself some Righteous Felon craft jerky? And become one of their diehard fans by going to rightsellum.com, discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. That stuff is popping up everywhere, by the way, in stores. Like, I haven't seen them in like a, a Wawa or anything like that yet. But uh, in Long Beach Island specifically, which where my mom lives, um, when I visit there, I see them in like every store there. <laughs> like every like, you know, like Nod, Wawa or whatever. They're everywhere. Um, so I guess people down there and uh, around the globe. Yeah. are beginning to find out about RighteousFelon.com. Boom. All right, Jimmy, where should we start? I feel like I have an answer. Why don't we bat it back and forth? We didn't really discuss this episode much or come up uh -huh. with show notes, a uh, little, little uh, 
be uh behind the scenes what's it called bait something baseball inside baseball inside baseball inside uh, podcast inside we, we, we're coming in a little unprepared in this episode so why don't we just bat it back we'll go back and forth on on our concerns with the team you well, can go first okay i feel like we <laughs> have to start here because it's kind of the topic of the week and that is jalen hurts jalen hurts is one of the biggest concerns ahead of the 2022 season obviously one of the two most obvious big concerns i'm sure you might touch on the other one next um Mm -hmm. but so i don't know what you make jimmy of all this hubba baloo about jalen hurts this week and it kind of originated from Derek gunn appearing on the jacob media sports take podcast with barrett brooks and um rob Rob Ellis. ellis yeah and Derek, so there was a tweet going around, which I think a lot of people saw, and I covered some of this on the NFC's mixtape with RJ, but I want to repeat myself here in case you don't listen to every podcast um, and also get your thoughts on it. I think a lot of people saw Derek Gunn's quoted uh, statement, whatever, from the podcast about how Jen Hurts really struggled in this one OTA practice where you went through, you know, like a series of 10 reps and like there was like a bunch of incompletions and a couple of interceptions and then a couple quote unquote sacks. And then obviously there's some push- pushback on that and people saying like, how much does practice matter? AJ Brown came to his defense in a kind of funny way, um, but also said like that sacks don't exist in practice in seven on seven because there are mm-hmm. no edge rushers and which is just not true to me because you know, quarterbacks can hold on to the ball for too long and the whistle can get blown dead, but whatever. I think people latched on to that specific 10 play thing. Derek Gunn was citing and not necessarily what he also said later on, which is like, this team is concerned about Jalen Hurts right now. Or they, they don't feel like, you know, fully confident or fully great in him right now. And I don't think it was, and I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like I know Derek, gun well enough from afar at least that he wasn't just basing his entire yeah. uh opinion on that just on that play like I, I, and i should also note here you weren't at ot's jimmy but i thought jalen hurts looked pretty good overall in the two practices now again these were two out of six so it wasn't every single practice i think some people also lost that it's like well he looked good at ot's when the media was there well yeah <laughs> but they weren't there for every practice so um anyway obviously ot's alone don't really you know set the table for Jalen Hurts' 2022 season but that there there are whispers and, and inklings and Derek Gunn is obviously super plugged in and knowledgeable about concerns still and already bef- before knowing that or hearing that there are already questions of like just how much can Jalen Hurts actually improve as a passer when people want to say he's gotten better every year and things like that and he's young and those there's some truth to those things at the same time, I don't think Jalen Hurts is like a blank slate by any means. I think we have a decent picture of what he already is. And I just don't know if he can – I think he can improve. But is he really going to improve to a level that he's going to warrant a contract extension? Like, to me, he has to make a pretty big jump to do that. And if you're, if you're you know, you know, water gun to your head, so to speak, if you think is that likely or unlikely, I have to say it's unlikely. Yeah, so touching on uh, Derek Gunn, Derek Gunn is a totally established longtime reporter. He's not making things up. Like, that was sort of uh, like what I think some people believe about this situation. He's just making things up. 
Um, and he was clear, I think, to note that these were things that he was hearing, not that he witnessed like that 10 play stretch or whatever, which again was sort of uh, being focused on as opposed to the totality of what he actually said in the video. Um, he's not making things up. Now, does it mean much that he maybe struggled in one of the practices? No, probably not. In fact, mm -hmm. like we're going to get tons of opportunities to watch Jalen Hurts during training camp because they not only, they not only have you know their their full training camp time or whatever, but then thereafter, normally like training camp would end after a certain period, and anytime they have joint practices, that's typically like bonus material that we get to watch each year. And they've had joint practices with one team typically uh, each of the last, you know, whenever they've had joint practices, typically just been with one team. This year, they're going to go out to Cleveland to play to have joint practices with uh, the Browns before they play them in their in their second preseason game. And then they're going to go down, go down to Miami to have joint practices with the Dolphins before they play their final preseason game. So we get a lot of extra coverage. <laughs> like we're, there's going to be probably around 25 editions of practice notes coming up throughout training camp. So we're going to get a full good idea of how Jalen Hurts looks heading into the 2022 season. And I look back at like when uh, Carson Wentz, when he had his rookie season, um, he showed things in that training camp. You go, okay, well, that guy's got a good arm. He's got mobility. You can see it. There were deficiencies. He was overthrowing receivers. Uh, he was inaccurate at times. Year two. I mean, you could tell that dude was going to have a like a great season. So I'm curious to see what kind of jump Jalen Hurts makes from his training camp last year where he was up and down quite a bit, frankly. And that sort of translated to the 2021 season when he was up and down. I want to see, you know, how, how much more consistent he can be during the 2022 camp. Is he doing some of the things that he didn't do during games, which is throw to the middle of the field, throw to the left side of the field you know, make accurate throws in the intermediate areas of the field, go through progressions before bailing uh, from the pocket too early. Is he getting the ball out more quickly than, you know, he was the, he was the, the, he had the longest time from uh, snap to throw uh, on average in the NFL last season. Is he correcting a lot of those things? That's what I'm sort of my focus will be in, in terms of watching him uh, throughout training camp. So, you know, certainly I'm not fixated, on anything that I didn't even see, <laughs> like, especially like during OTAs where they don't really matter that much OTAs. Okay. So he had three sacks, as you mentioned, sacks do exist uh, for some coaching staffs in seven on sevens. If the quarterback just doesn't get the ball out quickly enough, then you know, they blow the whistle and then that's it. Or sometimes the quarterback will take off running. That's they call it, Some staffs will call that a sack, even though the quarterback mm -hmm. didn't get touched or whatever. Um, there are the three interceptions during that during that period. Evidently, again, I didn't see it. You didn't see it. Who knows? We're going to have plenty of opportunities to see him play in training camp. So um, but just again, if Derek Gunn says it, he's not making it up. The idea that like this established reporter would just make something up is absolutely ridiculous. He's an absolutely qualified. Uh, I mean, and the, the number of things that he says are going to happen and then yeah. he's not like, so in terms of like breaking stories, there's, there's a difference between like what the Adam Schefters and the Ian Rappaport's put out. It's That's just transactions. That's an agent telling them right. so-and-so is signing with the team or the team is saying, Hey, we just signed so-and-so they put that out. And then, you know, 80 people write stories off of it. 
his breaking stories are typically like, this is probably going to happen at some point. This is not going to happen at some point. And you look at his body of work. He calls things every single offseason that wind up being true. So uh, just to diminish you know, what he's saying in, in this case, if somebody told him that the Eagles are concerned about Jalen Hurts you know, this season and going forward, then I think that's also, by the way, a pretty lot. Like, it's really not that big of a surprise seeing as they right. tried to trade for Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson this offseason. So I think this whole thing is really kind of like much ado about nothing, but at the same time to, you know, sort of uh, put him down because it's a report that some people don't like is ridiculous to me. There's evidence that they are not fully sold on him. Like the Saints trade to get that first round pick. Exactly. Trading for Gardner Minshew. I mean, obviously, yes, there's an element. He's the backup. I'm not saying they traded for him to replace him, but that's like a contingency plan. Probably at some level, you made that like a really big investment in Carson Strong. Like all the totality of all of those things, I think points to like, okay, we're not 100% sold on the starting quarterback, which is fine. Um, Jalen Hurts has a big opportunity ahead of himself this year. I think for training camp, Jimmy, in addition to our MVP, LVPs that we do each day, I was thinking we should probably also do a Jalen Hurts stock report every sure. single day. So then we can kind of measure that like you did last year for each right, game, for the games. basically, yeah. and kind of do, you know, stock up, stock even, or stock down, and then kind of measure that at the end of training camp to see where he is. Because I, I do think training camp practices are absolutely relevant. You can't, you know, sorry, Allen Iverson, but I do think <laughs> because to your point about how Carson Wentz was great, in 2017, as I've said many a time, Carson Wentz stunk in 2020 yeah. ahead of the season. And I, I again, I think it kind of maybe flew under the radar a bit at the time because it's not like people didn't want to like, you know, press the panic button because of that. But in hindsight, it was so clear that that set the table. It's all about table setting, I think, for a bad season. And if Hurts kind of looks like more of the same in training camp, then like that's it's just it's a bummer because especially in the context of like I, I, you know, maybe it's maybe the 49ers are this team, but is there a team out there that has like a stacked roster and then just like doesn't have the quarterback? And mm-hmm. the Eagles probably are up there, and that's fr- that's frustrating because it's like you almost have enough, but you're missing that like really the, the big... most the most important piece, <laughs> right? So that's like that's frustrating to be in that spot, and maybe Hertz takes off and runs to the job. But again, I just I don't I don't think it's impossible, but I don't I just don't know how you can build the case as it's likely as a, it's a likely outcome. And we should also note, too, that like Jalen Hurts does everything in his power to be the best player that he can right. be. Like he is a very likable player. He's a very, you know, he's a player that makes it easy for you to root for because he works hard. He's got the leadership. He's got the intangibles and, and all that stuff. And and he takes accountability when he doesn't play well, where we've seen in the past other quarterbacks didn't do that. So he's a, he's a player that I think a lot of people uh, are rooting for and should root for. Uh, but we kind of have to see at this camp. It's like another thing I've been thinking about is how people talk about, you know, he's going to have so much more support around him. And I agree, you know, the roster is upgraded. But like if he's still being propped up by all of that, like, is that really your franchise quarterback? Because eventually at some year, you're especially when you have to pay him the big contract, he's not going to have the perfect situation around him. So you can't just like judge the quarterback, you know, how they're doing when everything is great around him, because it's not always right. going to be like that year in, year out. Like there's going to be seasons in there where the quarterback kind of has to carry the team. You know, you see the best of the best quarterbacks in the NFL do that. Like Aaron Rodgers has taken a lot of bad Packers rosters further than they should have been. And now, of course, he doesn't really show up big enough in the playoffs. But that's a that's a different thing. Um, anyway, I guess that's well, enough. on that point, by the way, too, like you look at the 40, you mentioned the 49ers. They're within a Joukowsky Tart interception 
of going to the Super Bowl sure. with a quarterback who underperformed for the better part of the season mm-hmm. and who are they are now replacing with, you know, obviously they, they spent a lot of resources to go up and trade and trade for Trey Lance. And he was always going to take over at some point, but they felt this offseason that he didn't play well enough, despite the fact that they went to the NFC championship and probably mm-hmm. should have gone to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, it was clear, though, like. You know, Jimmy G's along for the ride. They're not winning because of him. Right. They're winning with him. And that's the thing with Hurts. It's like, can I think the Eagles can win with him. Absolutely. Can they win because of him? I think we need to see yeah, more to be of determined. this year to kind of, you know, you, you need to know that before you, you can't sign him to a contract if you're winning games with him and not because of him. That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. What's what's your biggest concern? <laughs> I think so- that's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously it's Jonathan Gannon. I think uh, are the two biggest concerns with this team heading into the 2022 season is, is the quarterback and the defensive coordinator. And mm-hmm. um, they're better d- on d- defense, no question. They're getting Brandon Graham back, which if he can play anywhere near the level that he did in 2020, and there's reasons to believe that he might not, um, he's going to be a big help to the defense. They, of course, draft uh, J- Jordan Davis. They sign Kaiser White. They add uh, Nicobe Dean in the draft. Uh, big signing, it, in my opinion, is James Bradbury, who is, you know, would be the best starter on a lot of teams in the NFL uh, at cornerback. He was, in my opinion, the Giants' best defender <laughs> last year or the last two years, anyway. Uh, they get him, you know, for a, a relatively cheap price. The secondary looks a lot better. Um, the, the all three levels of the defense, I think they improved. So uh, it's the pressures in the same way that the pressures on Jalen Hurts with the additions that they made uh, to the um, Jalen Hurts is everything that he needs offensively in terms of elite offensive line. Now you got three good receivers in uh, Devante and AJ Brown and Quez Watkins and, you know, throw Dallas Goddard in there and number one rushing attack in the NFL. Everything's there for him to succeed. Well, also on the defense, everything is there for Jonathan Gadden to succeed in 2022. And if we're still seeing the same, um, you know, park and safeties 30 yards off the line of scrimmage that we saw uh, in 2021 and just these quarterbacks, anyone, any decent quarterback just tore the Eagles defense apart last year. Obviously, you know, it's been said over and over the five quarterbacks that completed 80% or, or greater of their passes against the Eagles last season. It, like if we're still seeing that or anything close to it, then, and you've mentioned this too. And I think it's a great point. Like Jonathan Gannon shouldn't be the Eagles def- defensive coordinator next year, one way or the other, if they perform and they're, you know, like a top five, top 10, even kind of defense in the NFL next year, then, you know, he got three job interviews for a head coach this past off season. <laughs> like he's probably going to be gone for a head coaching job if the defense performs. And if it doesn't, like I said, everything is there for him to succeed. And if they fail, then I think they have to look for somebody else. 25th in defensive DVOA last year. Mm-hmm. That's not the, you know, end all be all stat, but like they underperformed. They really did. And I, I don't care what they did against these direct quarterbacks. I mean, you know, it's, it's better than nothing. It's, it's enough to bring him back for this season and not fire him. Um, but like, you can't just, you know, be taking care of Garrett Gilbert and actually, you know, had a reasonably good game against the Eagles <laughs> he did. in the circumstances so of coming in. Uh, but, like, you know, you can't just be, you know, putting up great numbers against all these bad quarterbacks. Jake Fromm, Mike Glennon. <laughs> right. Like, you at some level. and Trevor it's, Simeon. It's not even like, <laughs> hey, 
Jonathan Gannon, we need you to shut down Aaron Rodgers when you guys play the Packers this year. It's like, hey, can you keep him to like, you know, not his yeah, one of his best keep games 24, ever? 20, yeah. you know, 24, 27 points. Respectable. Like that. Yeah, just at least respectable would be, you know, in a, a level of improvement. So I agree with you in terms of, you know, there's there's been some talent upgrades. I, I almost wonder if like a concern could be. Is he, does he get a little too creative? Does he little like outthink himself a little bit too much in terms of, you know, like, because we saw some of that last year, I feel like early on with trying to mix three, four looks in there and that didn't seem to work. Obviously I think they might have some more better personnel suited to that, but you know, I would just hope he's not overthinking anyone's role. Like let's say a Hassan Reddick and dropping him into coverage. Yeah. More than yeah. My God, that that's going to be a good barometer. I think is, is how they use him. Like it shouldn't be that complicated. Just send that guy after the passer on 90% right. of his snaps. And if you're not doing that, then something's wrong. And I'm not saying he will do that. Definitely. But like, you know, we have to see him not. Do yeah. That yeah. And, yeah. Uh, of course. With something to monitor. So yeah, Gannon's absolutely a big concern. It's not like the Eagles need to have, you know, a top five defense in the NFL uh, necessarily, but w- what do you think is like the reasonable expectation for them? Like they have to be at least what? what so range? if you just look at the talent on their roster defensively, I think they have to be at a minimum top 10. Okay. I mean, their yeah. defensive line is awesome. You look at like how deep they are at defensive tackle with Fletcher Cox and Milton Williams, J- Javon Hargrave, Jordan Davis. And then on the edge, you know, Josh Sweat should take it, should, excuse me, take a step forward. They're getting Brandon Graham back. The linebackers aren't, they, they, I mean, this is the most optimistic that I think uh, people can reasonably be about the linebacker position in the last half decade. Slay. Bradbury, Maddox, it's a really good trio of cornerbacks. And I think those three guys will allow uh, Gannon to blitz more than he has and do more creative things up front because he can count on those guys on the back end uh, to to cover competently against, even against, you know, good receiving cores around around the NFL. So, yeah, if they're not top 10, then um, I, I think there's I think there's a problem. This isn't as, you know, by saying that if they're not top 10, you can't, like, I'm, I'm, I'm wary about just, saying like they have to be statistically whatever you know they have to be x good or whatever um they're 11th or 12th yeah but we have to see we have to see them you know take the ball away a a reasonable amount Mm -hmm. we have to see them play better uh much i mean obviously a lot better against teams with good quarterbacks and they need to continue to shut down the bad ones anything else on the defense so we'll take a break here uh let's take a break and we'll come back with just with our next concern yeah, we'll come back, and I, I want to kind of get into, at least on my end, some of the ones that might be a little less obvious. That's kind of my goal. Um, okay. But be- before we get into that, Jimmy, I will tell you once again about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, which is the one of the sponsors here, one of the multiple sponsors here at BGN Radio. You go to RighteousFelon.com. The website, it's free. You just, I mean, you have to have internet, I guess. That's not free. You know, you got to pay for your internet or, or you can go somewhere. You can go to, you know, like maybe Starbucks or something, not a sponsor, and use their Wi-Fi. You go to RighteousFallon.com, use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order to get meat snacks or non-meat snacks that they have if you don't eat meat. And again, the same discount code works if you don't want snacks for some reason or you're already, you're loaded up on your snacks, but you want to get your dog your best friend man's best friend some would say your companion uh some snacks you want to go to wildnaturepet.com and use that same discount code bgn15 for 15 percent off your order help support the podcast help support a local business help support yourself by getting you some quality products that you can count on to be a great time jimmy 
Back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy, you just talked about the defense. I talked about Jalen Hurts. I feel like we got some of the more obvious concerns. Yeah, I had to get those out of the way. <laughs> it's just sort of a, a chalk. That There were the two chalk answers. So now we're getting into a little more of the nitty gritty. That kind of relates to the quarterback, but it's not just about the quarterback. And to me, it's that A.J. Brown, who I am bullish on in a vacuum, maybe he doesn't live up to the hype. And that's not to say A.J. Brown's going to have a bad season or anything. But I think you've highlighted some of the concerns with him while you're like a little bit more, I wouldn't say like skeptical about him being a good player, but there's some concerns that maybe glossed over. You talked about what his drops. You talked about, um, well, what are some of the things? Yeah, so when I watched his, uh, I watched all of his targets and cu- actually cut off all of his targets for for an article. You can go watch them actually, just Google uh, A.J. Brown player review Philly voice and all of his targets are there. Um, and what I saw from those was he had a lot of, not just drops, but bad drop, like egregious drops. Uh, so that was a concern. And then he dealt with a lot of injuries last season, which no doubt led to, what I think my next concern is was that he wasn't really a, uh, the tackle breaker that I was expecting to see when I watched all of his, uh, snaps and, or when, when I watched all of his, uh, targets last year, I had him down for, I want to, I forget the number, the actual number of uh, broken tackles that he had. And certainly even the way he played last year, he's the best tackle breaking receiver anyway, like on the Eagles roster, but he wasn't like, like, you know, guys, bouncing off of him like Christian Okoye and Tech Mobile, like, like I like to say, uh, like he was in 2022 and 2019. You watch any highlight reel of A.J. Brown, guys bouncing off of him, they're probably from like 2019 and 2020. There was less of that last season. So um, presumably he's healthy and he'll be sort of get back to, you know, that player that runs through smaller cornerbacks and safeties and, and can get a lot more yards after the catch than he did last season. But that was an area that I was a little bit disappointed in, in terms of like when I watched uh, his season last year. So th- those are the two main things, hands and uh, and and he was disappointing in the area that he is known for being an absolute beast. Maybe the yards after the catch stuff, fighting through contact gets a little bit better when he has a new contract that he's under contract now. And he's like, okay, I got my money. So now I can kind of go That's, out there. Yeah, that makes sense. And not have to worry about preserving myself as much. Just a thought. Um, my concern, I guess, part of it, and I'm not even getting into the social media of it all, which I think has been, I, I give him credit for sticking up for a teammate. Absolutely. Yeah. But like the fact that he commented on the Miles Sanders thing and now weighed in on the Jalen Hurts thing, it's like, AJ, buddy, pace yourself. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of stuff that you could get drawn into. It hasn't even begun yet. For like, there's been nothing, right? So, like, you know, I I hope for his sake he doesn't get burnt out. 
um and maybe the eagles pr should kind of be like hey bud you know like let's let's just <laughs> not worry about ignore it. ignore some of this uh outside noise a little bit <laughs> and so i'm not even that wasn't even it but i just wanted to make quick mention of that for me it could be fit i was looking at the football outsiders almanac which you know you should buy if you if you're interested in that mm-hmm. um they talked about and you mentioned jalen hurts through to the field jimmy in the middle of the field can you guess how much of percentage wise of his passes were in the middle of the field last I, year. Uh, is it less than 10? It is 10 even. It's 10, <laughs> 10%. okay. <laughs> For context, every other offense in the league was at least 16%. Was it at least what? The, 60 or 16? Yeah, 16. One okay, six. all right. That, okay. And the NFL average was 22. So okay. That is extremely low uh and you're talking about like what how are you defining middle of the field like in between the hash marks or in between the numbers it just says passes in the middle of the field i'm guessing it's between the hashes but it just in their parlance it is passes it's got to be between the hashes because an average of 22 percent league-wide even seems pretty low to me because that's got to be hash marks not numbers so AJ Brown, guess where his percentage of targets came on throws <laughs> over the middle of the field last year? Yeah, there was a lot of them. Uh, I'm going to say 40. 60%. So oh, my God. It was that yeah, high? Good Lord. Something has to give for a quarterback really? who throws the ball over the middle less than any other player in the NFL at such an extreme rate. And a wide receiver who gets 60% of his production, not to say that, you know, AJ Brown can also help outside the numbers, but like something's got to give there. So I, I'm wondering about that fit when I read something like that. I, I think there's like you could look at this one of a couple of different ways, right? You could be like, okay, now that you have AJ Brown, he will help Jalen Hurts throw over the middle of the field more, which maybe to some extent, but like to what extent? Because I think we've seen consistently. See, I'll I'll use my guy Russell Wilson as an example. Like Russ is very good, but he doesn't use the middle of the field either, at least a lot, probably more than Jalen Hurts, but not a ton. And that's been the issue his whole career. Like that, that never got like fixed. So not to say Jalen Hurts will go down the same path, but when you're looking at those kind of players and they're shorter and they like to hold onto the ball and float out of the pocket, I don't know necessarily that you know, like the middle of the field stuff is going to be a seamless transition there. And this is the smaller point, but I've said it before, like AJ Brown and Hurts weren't, totally on the same page at least on as the level that uh hertz and Devonte smith were in mm-hmm. limited ota practice viewing so i i wonder if there's something there that is just not going to be this seamless fit everyone's so excited about aj brown and rightfully so because of the talent he is but i wonder if the fit is going to be as seamless as we might think it will be deeper throws too which uh hurts i want to say he avoided them but he didn't always capitalize on throws down the field that were there he, uh, he left me on the bone yeah and when i watched uh aj brown's targets last year he actually they, they took more deep shots to him uh down the field than i was expecting like he's a weapon on all three levels of, uh, of the offense short uh intermediate and deep so yeah i mean that's a concern too i've been uh formerly of bgn radio uh I know everyone misses him for good reason. <laughs> like he made the point that you bring AJ Brown in and he now forces you to for is going to essentially have hurts is going to be forced to, you know, make throws over the middle of the field to him in the, in the intermediate areas of the field. And, you know, say what you will about Ryan Tannehill, 
he did it. Like he, mm-hmm. I thought he actually made a decent number of window throws into the intermediate parts of the field uh, to AJ Brown and the targets that I watched. Hertz is going to be forced to do that. And I actually think that, you know, having AJ Brown on this roster sort of sets another, um, you know, barometer in terms of evaluating Hertz's 2022 season and deciding whether he's going to be your guy in 2023 and beyond. That was a point made by Ben that I thought was a, a very astute one um, early, like soon after they, they signed uh, AJ Brown. So I, I do think that uh, the, the signing of him, even if he doesn't like, ha- like light it up this year, by the way, AJ Brown's production last year, I, you know, I, I sort of went over the concerns quickly. I should note that I thought his production was, was actually very good. He actually sure. wound up with like 800 something yards last year, but he missed was it four or five games. I want to say five. He played 12 games. So he missed five, I think. Um, so, you know, you extrapolate his, his uh, yardage production over the course of the season. He would have been up over 1100 yards, but also like there was a huge gap between AJ Brown and then like their next productive receiver who was Julio Jones. And it was a huge gap between those two guys. Um, so like he was their go-to guy, both in clutch situations, like third down, third and long. Uh, and then he also like was at his best in big games uh, for the Titans. Like when they played the chiefs bills in the playoffs, in the game they lost against the Bengals, he was a stud in that game. So I, you know, I want to, I want to make sure I balance out like some of the, the, like the negative things I said with him. He's like, he's a, he's a definitely a stud player, but again, just, I I think the point that Ben makes about him, you know, operating in the middle of the field and can Hertz throw to that area of the field will be another, you know, sort of testing ground for the Eagles front office and coaching staff going forward. What's your next concern? So I published this also in my dumpster fire piece, but I do think it's worth noting here. They had not just extreme injury luck in terms of their, they didn't have extreme injury luck on their own roster, but they had better injury luck than they've had in past seasons, but they did have extreme injury luck in terms of the teams they faced. And that a lot of the teams they yeah. faced like had decimated rosters. So I'm just going to read off the 10 teams uh, according to, uh, football outsiders that had that you know the the, the ten worst uh, injury luck seasons last year, and in order they were the Ravens, Jets, Lions, 49ers, Broncos, Giants, Commanders, Saints, Raiders, and Colts. Hmm. The Eagles played ten of their games in 2021 against those teams. Hmm. <laughs> so like you know they played the Jets, Lions, 49ers, uh, Broncos, Giants twice, Commanders twice, Saints, and Raiders, and. I went through and like looked at the the players that you know were actually out in those games and I counted so this is a minimum number of players there could be more but I counted 22 players that faced the Eagles or would have faced the Eagles last year but missed the game that have been to at least one pro bowl in their career. Wow. 22 players. So like they had I mean in some of those games they were like they faced teams that were completely decimated. Look at Saints; they didn't have Jameis Winston, which, Alvin Kam- Alvin Kamara, which Michael is Thomas. One of their better wins of the season, right? That you <laughs> right, point to, like right. the tougher opponents, the Saints game. Yeah, Winston, Kamara, Michael Thomas, Teron Armstead, Ryan Ramchek, Andrews, <laughs> Pete, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. You know, against the Commanders, Commanders are down. Uh, both of the games against the Commanders, they they were without Fitzpatrick. Hein- well, one one. one COVID one game, game was Heineke. They were now their top three quarterbacks, Fitzpatrick, Heineke, and Allen. They had signed not only like they didn't only get to play, they didn't just get to play Garrett Gilbert, but they got to play Garrett Gilbert, who they they had signed like 
was how like many Friday. days? Yeah, it was like three, Friday, four days before, before the game. game. Yeah, but they're also without Chase Young, Brandon Scherf, Kendall Fuller, Logan Thomas, uh, starting center Chase Roulier, uh, Tyler Larson, their backup center Cam Curl, Curtis mm-hmm. Samuel. So many other like basically the, all, almost all those guys were also out against them. Jonathan, no, Jonathan Allen returned in their okay. Week 17 yeah. game, but also they were missing. Montez Sweat, William Jackson, Landon Collins, Antonio Gibson, Sam Cosme, their starting right tackle. Uh, Eric Flowers, their starting left guard. So, I mean, just, and you, I could like name other games where they, where yeah. teams were just decimated by injuries, but they're going to face teams that are a little bit more full strength this season than they did last. I don't know if there's a metric out there that shows the best like opposing injury luck in the right. season uh, per season. But if if it wasn't the Eagles, I'd be stunned. If it was some some other team out there faced the slate of games that were that were easier than the Eagles last year, I'd be I'd be absolutely shocked. To a larger point of, of what you're saying, like there are already quite regardless of all that, even if teams were healthy ish last year, there's already kind of a question like can the Eagles actually consistently beat good teams? Even <laughs> and and they couldn't um for the most part so i think that's you know it's a it's such a big thing to me this season like can they actually hang with them because they didn't even hang with them really and can they actually beat them again you point to that saints win that's one of the best of the season and their defense was good for sure and i'm not trying to say that wasn't like a quality win for the eagles but like when that's your best win that's like the best thing you can hang your hat on eh, not, not, not the most impressive feat of all time so yeah we need to see more in that regard so what's your next one? All right. So also tied to that, Jimmy, and I'll give a hat tip here to Elliot Shore Parks, who has pointed this out before. Eagles historically underachieved big expectations. <laughs> like, like since the 2004 season, they've had an over under of 9.5 games, which is their current projected win total mm-hmm. seven times. They hit the under in six of those seven seasons. Mm, okay. <laughs> you look at how, you know, Miles Sanders is talking about, you know, all-stars. And I, again, like that quote alone is not the end of the world. But I, I feel like if that is the energy within the team that they're just going to show up and they've got this loaded roster and everything's going to be cool. And, oh, we, we you know, <laughs> we, we found our identity last year. And, you know, like they they and like they kind of make too much maybe of a little bit of a false positive or some kind of fool's gold, then, you know, I think this team could kind of be in for a rude awakening. And that's not to say they're going to be bad because I look at the schedule and I was doing a win-loss projection yesterday with me trying to be like really harsh on the team, like realistic still, not like, you know, so harsh they, they don't win any games. But like, okay, let me, you know, give them a loss here, loss here. I still feel like you get them to like seven, eight wins, eight wins. Um, so you know i still think their floor is relatively high but just historically like they're not a team that like the eagles are gonna be great this year and then they go out and they're great it doesn't usually work like that it usually works like where people kind of sleep on them a little bit like they did last year Mm -hmm. and they overachieved like they did in 2017 and they overachieved like that's kind of typically more how it goes you look at the seasons like 2018 2019 2020 when you're like all right they're gonna be a good team this year and they're just not so you know i don't know how uh maybe that's just you know maybe that's not the most reliable thing to predict but it's can you deny that it's true like they don't typically just overachieve expectations and 2011 is obviously the uh biggest mm-hmm. example of course <laughs> tommy had a post like that too where he showed not necessarily when the team was being overhyped or anything like that but just when they made big moves 
uh, during the off season. And it was kind of like half and half where mm-hmm. like the team, uh, you know, a lot of those guys contributed and, and um, they wound up doing, you know, good things. And then other seasons where it didn't go that way. Um, and I think the best example of where, you know, it went right was, 2017, <laughs> you know, they did sign a lot of guys that off season. Maybe they didn't have like huge, uh, I guess Alshon was kind of like a, a splashy signing. Um, but mm-hmm. there were a lot of like, you know, older guys and, uh, like older, you know, big, big ish name kind of guys, but older guys that weren't so expensive. Um, and then a lot of other guys that they just kind of signed cheap and, you know, everyone panned out like that. They, everything, how we touched that off season and free agency turned to gold. Um, but yeah, I think that the idea that when they, it's like the movie in Dazed and Confused, the coach is like, I don't know if I can say this on the pod or not. <laughs> he's, like, he's like hanging out by the pool. Like he's like trying to like get them to, you know, start focusing on, it's the summer and they're just trying to get them to like start focusing back on football. And he's like, I know you're hanging out by the pool, chasing the muff around. <laughs> So like, hopefully the Eagles aren't doing that. Maybe <laughs> like you said, like, you know, maybe they're not getting, uh, they're, they're not just hanging out, having a good time saying, Oh, we're loaded. Everything's cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of agree with the, with the sentiment that, you know, they they seem to have better seasons when they, when they sneak up some on some people, but they're getting hyped everywhere. Like not just locally yeah. national, they're, they're starting to become like, you know, like one of the cool kids that they're, they're, they're like, at the, they're like at the cool kid table again, the Eagles mm-hmm. where like, People are saying, um, again, Tommy put out a post like this recently, too. I don't know if it was within the same post, but he also had like, you know, all these national guys ranking, you know, the, the Eagles have the yeah. number one, the best offensive line Most in the NFL. Team. Yeah. Yeah, top top five wide receivers in the NFL. Top five this, top five that. Mm-hmm. And so, like, uh, the national people are seeing it, and with good reason, because they really have improved the roster this offseason. But, uh, you know, they, they do have to go out on the field and actually show it. What's your next thing? Um, so I would say the whole idea that, I mean, we saw last year that when the offense wasn't, was kind of just sputtering along after seven, six, seven, eight games, whatever it was. And then they transitioned to, you know, that run heavy offense. And then once they did that, um, I mean, part of it was also that they were beating up on bad teams that we've sort of beaten to death already during this podcast, mm-hmm. but uh, they're certainly more effective uh, offensively when they really committed to just being a run heavy team. That's not ultimately what they want to be. So it'll kind of be interesting this season. At what point does the offense sputter and the noise sort of get louder and louder and louder that they should go back to their 2021 mm-hmm. identity that worked for them uh, during that season. And how do they balance that? Cause they can't, I agree that they can't be as run heavy this year as they were last year. Cause I don't think it's a sustainable way. If you win games in the regular season, like you can win plenty of games that way. But once you get to the playoffs, as we've seen with teams like the Titans and the Ravens, it just, they're, they become easier to defend uh, in my opinion in, in January. So you know, what, what kind of team are they going to be this year? Are they like, what's going to be the offensive balance, you know, pass versus run and how, how do they find it? How do they find what that balance is? And if they do kind of, you know, go a little like pass heavy ish and they start losing, you know, mm-hmm. game here and there that on paper, they should probably win. 
I mean, it's going to be like very loud criticism that they should be running the ball more as this Philly, as you know, Philadelphia, just as a city kind of loves to do. So I don't, I don't know like exactly what the concern is here, but uh, it is sort of interesting that they have an offense sort of geared to, to be what they don't really want to be. And uh, yeah, it'll be just sort of interesting to see how they, how they navigate um, you know, the, the, the balance between being what is probably the best way to run their offense and what they actually want their offense to be. I think there's some assumption that the Eagles found their formula last year. Like, all right, they got this going forward. But like you said, I just don't think that's sustainable. And I don't think it's just us saying that. I think they don't feel like it's sustainable yeah. when it comes to at least beating the good teams. Sure. Can you beat up on the bad teams like the Giants or whatever? I know they lost to the Giants last year, but you know, like some of the lesser teams in the NFL, lesser quarterbacks by running the ball all game long. Sure. Absolutely. But we need to see when the game is on Jalen Hurts' arm, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers very much made it. I mean, can he respond? Can he do something to make sure the Eagles are still in it? And yeah, that's, that is the, I think that is probably one of the biggest questions of the season as a whole is like, how do they find this right balance I don't think it's necessarily, you know, like a 50-50 split. I mean, that's ideal in, in you know, conceptually, but I don't know that's going to work out that way. So, yeah, and and I, I don't know. It's like there's really no good answer for that, I feel like, because, yeah, again, to your point, like they're probably better served to run the ball in certain spots in the short term, but that <laughs> that's like short-term best chances of winning, but long-term it's not going to lead to the highest level of success that they should be aspiring to reach championship level of success. So it's a, it's a weird equation. And if they have, like if they, they feel like they're forced to kind of become that team again in 2022, then I think they kind of have their answer on, um, right. you know, what, whether they uh, need to be quarterback shopping in 2023. Absolutely. I don't think you, you're like, all right, we're going to do it again in 20. 20- 22 or sorry 2023 um yeah it's it's a it's, it's a pretty big concern um why don't we take another break jimmy and then i want to get into some more things but first i really need to hear about kristen roach <laughs> from roach realtors and roach realtors.com yeah kristen roach uh voted by god as the best realtor in the history of the universe and i don't know if you saw like those pictures of um, like the universe recently. Have you seen those online? Yeah, from the, like the, the new telescope. Yeah. So when you think about how vast wow. the universe is and like how, how long the universe is, it's, it's, it's incomprehensible. Like your mind can't even wrap your, can't, can't even wrap your mind around like how long the, how big the universe is, first of all, and then how long it's been in existence. Right. Um, for Kristen Roach to be voted by God as the best realtor in the history of the, of the universe is, I mean, a feat that is beyond comprehension. Mm. So if you are looking to buy or sell your home, I mean, it's a no brainer to call her 856-906-9295. You can also text her at that number again, 856-906-9295 or go to roachrealtors.com. Brandon? Back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. She's the greatest. 
Back here on BGN Radio, where we're going through some concerns. And Jimmy, you mentioned the Eagles defensive line earlier being a strength. And I agree Mm -hmm. on paper, at least. But might it be a little weaker than we think? Mm. And here's why. Okay. So last year, they're 29th in sacks last year. Mm-hmm. Eight, one one point eight per game. Not so you know, not the best. Se- they're a second point. second worst in the league, right? So weren't they thirty first in sacks? Um, maybe tied for so maybe had them they were tied for twenty ninth. Uh, oh, you know. okay. I don't think so uh, though. I think they were just second on their own. I think it was okay. like the Lions had had like eighteen or some crazy low number. I might have, uh, playoff stats may have gotten involved. Oh, okay. I did All right. Teamrankings.com. So anyway, one of the worst teams in the league. You know, All right, yeah, because Ryan Kerrigan had a had a bunch of sacks against uh, uh, a one legged <laughs> Tristan Wirfs, and uh, and then Tristan Wirfs yeah. backup. <laughs> uh, I think Hassan Reddick should help. Very optimistic about his outlook. Don't really have a ton to say about him, other than you know, again, will the Eagles kind of overthink his role? Brandon Graham's coming off injury. He's thirty four. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty you know fairly concerning. Here's really why I wanted to bring the point up because I've said this before uh, about remember I've said before like Josh Sweat did not really like produce last year when the Eagles played like good teams or some of their higher quality opponents and like the okay. bulk of his production came when not only playing like bad teams but like the Giants and Washington who were missing their starting right tackles in those games. Uh, this stat comes from Ruben Frank. Um, he said Josh Sweat has played 26 games against winning teams in his career. Guess how many sacks he has in those games, Jimmy? Uh, 26 two. games. Two. He has four. Oh, so okay. I think there might be something kind of to that, like quality of you know offensive line. He's not exactly like beating up some of the better offensive lines, which is something to monitor. Uh, Derek Barnett. Does anyone really feel good about him? Eight penalties, two and a half sacks last yeah. year. Does anyone? He's still here, so that's not first great. season where he like headed into uh, training camp healthy as yes. well. So he had his healthiest season last year and his worst season last year. Because the thing about him was like it was always like, oh, well, he's hampered by this, or you kind of you can make excuses for him here and there. There's no excuse for last year. He was just awful, and with no excuses given. Fletcher Cox has four and a half sacks in his last 22 games. I think we've seen that, you know, his best days are certainly not in mm-hmm. front of him. Javon Hargrave, you know, great start to the year last year, ultimately ended up as a pro bowler. He had two sacks in his final 12 games, including the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And he was also consistent in 2020. You know, obviously there's like, he came into the season with an injury, but it seems like through two seasons here, he's had these like big dry spells of just not really producing. Um, now, you know, also he can get really hot at certain times, so there's some give and take there. But, you know, I'm just worried like pass rush could go cold at some point. And for all his uh, success in the as a pass rusher, he's graded out as one of the league's worst run defenders, which kind of, you know, makes it's not totally insane given how he's You know, smaller. I saw that on PFF. Uh-huh. I'm curious where because like they had him like as a like his run defense grade was like a 30 something. Mm-hmm. Um 
that's not right. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's he was better than that. Okay. But uh, I, I've actually been meaning to look closer at that. I just haven't found the time to do it. Um, but I, I, I did notice that, like he had a, an extraordinarily low pass rush or uh run defense grade of course his pass rush grade was like sure was, like i think it was like second in the nfl yes yeah and i think i think i could be wrong i think Sheila's has talked about that before in terms of like some of the bigger runs he may have been on the field for <laughs> okay um he's a smaller guy and like the way like i, I, I don't think squatty it's even, right so like it's not really incon- it's not like inconceivable you get pushed around a little bit if you know guys are on the like you know run blocking as opposed to mm-hmm. pass blocking um anyway uh, Jordan Davis, who I'm high on, but he's not like a sack producer. The point being, like, there's, there's a decent amount of question marks, I feel like, on the defensive line. Not to say they they stink, but like, you know, there's it's it's not just like you set your watch to it. This is going to be an awesome defensive line. Um, they have like an elite edge rusher outside of Reddick, who I think sh- should be pretty good. Um, there's there's just a lot of question marks otherwise. And for a unit that's supposed to be one of the strengths of the team, and I think it could be, again, there's potential for it to be at least solid, if not outright strong and good. But I think there's still question marks here, too. So um, I agree with everything you said, like looking at each individual thing, like in a vacuum, I think that you you can make points on on all those, uh, every, like everything you just said. Uh, the, the likelihood that, you know, all those things are going to sure. go badly is like super low. I, I, and what I like about the Eagles defensive line is that it's not just, I mean, they don't just have an accumulation of talent. It's very deep too. I mean, especially on the interior, maybe not as much on the edge um, with, you know, uh, Barnett, the, like Bar- Barnett's like their, their primary bench guy, I guess uh, on the edge. But um, yeah, I, I think that I do really believe that the defensive line is going to be, a pretty big strength for them this year, but um, yeah, but I can see the holes that I can certainly see the holes that, that you're, that you're poking into that group. And I just think it's a really important unit. You know what I mean? It's not just like, okay, not important, but it's like an important spot of the team. It's how they want to win. And like, is it up to snuff? Like, cause even if it's kind of like, you know, averages, is that good enough? I feel like they need to be strong the strength of the team. And I don't know for sure that they will be given the concerns um what's your next biggest thing yeah so um i feel like their scheduling has been Hmm. favorable uh each of the last i don't know four or five years or whatever and i'm not talking about who they actually play i'm just talking about some of the you know specifics of like of, of how their schedule is actually laid out and they got some pretty like rough scheduling chores this this year like four of their eight road games this year are on short rest so you got week three against uh the the commanders is short rest that's a division game obviously week nine they got to fly out to houston for a thursday game um on short rest uh week 11 against the against decent teams uh, team in the colts um short rest and then week set week 16 Christmas Eve, which sucks. <laughs> it just sucks for me personally going out to that game on Christmas Eve, flying back on Christmas um, against the against you know the the team that is their biggest rival, uh, biggest threat to to winning the NFC East uh, in the Cowboys. That's like not a that's I feel like four road games on short rest is a pretty big deal, and then they have uh, road games also on three straight weekends, which. I mean, the NFL tries to avoid that if they can, 
uh, when they make the schedule. And I don't know why it just shouldn't be, yeah, this can't happen under any circumstance. Just don't schedule three straight road games for any team ever. Like, unless there's a buy in between there or something. Um, And they also occur late in the season, by the way, in weeks 14, 15, and 16. And of course, that, like I just said, that week 16 game happens to be also one of those games that's on short rest again against the Cowboys. So I feel like the scheduling. <laughs> right. Late in the season, like that game could conceivably like decide who wins the division, gets into mm-hmm. the playoffs, etc. Um, yeah, I, I think that's sort of an under like we it was pointed out, of course, when the schedule came out and then like a day or two later, completely forgotten about by everyone. But I feel like um, and, and again, like they've gotten some pretty good scheduling luck over the last half decade or so. But it, I, those two things in particular are, you know, I think they're. It, it, we'll, we'll see them be discussed more as we, you know, get underway into the season. But um, yeah, I, I think there, there are some pretty significant disadvantages there. Do you have anything else really big? Cause I have a couple smaller ones that I could. Yeah. Uh, uh, one more thing. So um, last year to, to close out the season and we'll take the Cowboys game, the, the meaningless Cowboys game out of the mix here, mm-hmm. but from week 12 on against Bad teams, Giants, Jets, Washington, completely depleted Washington team, Giants, again, completely depleted Washington, Buccaneers. You know what they scored against? You you know what their their point differential was in those one, two, three, four, five, six games in the first quarter? First quarter scoring point differential starts. Yeah. Uh, Negative 56. Close negative forty two, so oh. they scored, they scored seven points against the Jets. That was it. <laughs> they had they scored seven points against the Jets, and then in every other game, Giants, Washington, Giants, Washington, Buccaneers, zero first quarter points. Meanwhile, uh, Giants had three, Jets had twelve, Washington had ten. Giants didn't score in the first quarter in their se- in their first uh, excuse me their second matchup against them. Washington had ten. The Buccaneers, of course blew them out early they had 14 in the first quarter 31 to zero right that's not great when you look at like game planning so there's been much made of you know nick sirianni uh handing off play calling duties to um uh, uh, shane steichen uh at some point during the season last year but the point was also sort of made well okay yeah but the it's not like so he, yeah he handed off um, play calling duties in game, but mm-hmm. of course, uh, you know, he's sort of setting the menu and Shane Steichen is picking plays from that menu. And, you know, the whole staff is sort of responsible for game planning. I feel like, you know, maybe the adjustments that they made in game were good. So you give them credit for that, figuring out like, okay, what's working, what's not, and let's divert from whatever. But they did not like whatever game plans they went into late in the season i mean they just those game plans just did not go well because they scored seven points in the first quarter in those last six games Mm. yeah one of the concerns that i didn't write down here but i've kind of been thinking about in sirianni as a whole not to i don't think he sucks but i think there's a good chance he might be just a coach as in just a guy for you know we talk about as an average player Mm -hmm. and put it put it a different way like does Nick Sirianni give the Eagles an edge? Does he really give them like an edge anywhere? And maybe in the sense that the Eagles 
as an organization are aggressive. So I think he's probably more aggressive than, you know, these like fossil coaches in the league. But like, I still don't think he's as aggressive as he reasonably could be. I don't think he's not. He was definitely less aggressive than Doug was. So like, you know, like, does he really give them an edge? Is he a liability? I don't think so, possibly, but I don't, I'm not in that spot right now. But I question if he really gives them any kind of like big advantage. I think he might be just like just a coach. So he's fine. He's not going to hold you back, but he's also not mm-hmm. going to propel you forward in any kind of big way when, um, you know, chips are, uh, what, how's it go? Chips are stacked against you. Like, I, I don't know that that's that situation. So I, I think that's a fair concern, especially raised by you in, in the sense of like, they figured it out on offense in the second, second half of the season, which they did more so, but to your point, like not all the way around, not always. And when they did, they, they started slow and they took advantage of some bad teams and, and they had, they were afforded more opportunity to start slow because they, because the quality of opponent was so bad that they right. you get behind some, of, you know, you're behind in like some of those games against better teams and right. they're losing more of those games than they did. Right. Um, so three quick ones that I had that I'll run through. What do the Eagles really have at tight end? If Dallas Goddard goes down, I'm not saying (laughs) your roster can't be stacked at every position. So I'm not like faulting the Eagles for this, but like that would be a really bad injury to have because Jack Stoll is probably your top tight end. Yeah. Some combination of him and Calcaterra. And you know, the wide receivers are better. So you might not have to rely on the tight ends, but like still to not have really any kind of, great or like solid tight end there is it's not ideal i imagine their offense is going to be geared toward um dallas goddard being a great player sure so if he does get hurt you also kind of change what you do offensively well they do have jj arthigo whiteside though at tight end now (laughs) so that'll probably solve that the enforcer Um, (laughs) uh, another question i had is michael clay good at his job i don't know that he is uh and I'm, I'm tying Aaron Sipos's struggles in here, which aren't necessarily his fault, although he kind of did go to bat for him, at least as a holder. Uh, but the Eagles ranked 28th in punt return average last year, 29th in kick return average, 24th covering punts, and 28th covering kicks. So, no, they weren't like great Really? They weren't year. good on coverage? That's, that's a little surprising to me, actually. I think they were 16th in DVOA on the whole, although some of the kicking was in there. Well, Jake Elliott was, yeah. was a pro bowler last year. Of right. So, Elliott was good. I mean, I don't know how much credit you really want to give to Michael Clay for that when he's not necessarily like a kicking coach. And they kind yeah, of I think you can give, I think you can give Jake Elliott full credit for the season that he had. Well, him and maybe like Tyler Brown too kind of seems to kind of be a little bit, I guess, more involved okay. with the kicking element. But um, yeah, so like I kind of have questions there. It's not like special teams being you know lackluster is necessarily going to unravel a season, but it's another thing like not that could kind of pop up and not be great. Um, this I this don't have really an answer at returner and again punter like punter punter also yeah. very much like that's a, it's not gonna end the season again but it's it's a concern right now some of those punts late in the year were so bad as we've talked about and then the last thing I had is offensive line as a whole definitely gonna be pretty good or at least it should be right guard spot might be a little bit of a bigger issue than anyone wants to give it credit for. Like Isaac Samalo is coming off injury and has played what like nine games in the past two seasons. Mm-hmm. Like gets hurt a lot. Okay, Jack Driscoll can step up then. Okay, that guy also gets hurt a lot, so that's a concern. <laughs> right. Nate Herbig, who you've relied on the past couple of seasons, isn't around anymore. You still have Suo Opeta, but like he doesn't have as much experience playing at. Love right guard. Suo Opeta though. 
but he right like he plays more at left guard typically he he played both uh okay. so he played right guard against the buccaneers actually he started that game in the playoffs um he filled okay. in one other game i want to say it was the browns maybe in 2020 uh, really but yeah for the for the, for the most part he's played for the most part he's played left guard so you know i just i'm not saying it's going to be like uh, they have the worst player in the league. They're relative to other teams. They're certainly in decent shape there. But I'm saying like that could be a weak spot of the offensive line. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's quibbling. <laughs> sure. That I mean, but that's line. what we're doing here. But yeah, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm I, I got. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I think. I just think people are like best offensive line in the NFL. <laughs> and if well, if your right guard situation is a little you know tenuous, then okay, it's still probably a really good offensive line, but maybe it's not the best in the NFL. Oh, I think it's the best in the NFL. <laughs> I got. I think every team in the NFL, you can point to like uh, probably a bigger concern than uh, than that spot for the Eagles, because you know, like you mentioned, Sam is injury prone, and so is Driscoll, um, and I like Her- Herbig is gone. But I, I liked what I like. I've done player reviews of uh, Opetti to the last two seasons. I think he's be- actually better. I think he's better than Herbig. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he's going to uh, be fine as you know the, their their second their second guard uh, off the bench and he'll play snaps at some point. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's played, played snaps each, each of the last two years, even mm-hmm. being behind Herbig. And then also I kind of like what I saw of uh, Jack Anderson too. Who yeah. they, how did they get him? Did they poach him off or was he waived they and they claimed him, him or the is he poached? Squad. Okay. So they poached him off the practice squad. He stayed on the uh, roster the rest of the season. He played pretty well in the meaningless uh, mm-hmm. uh, Cowboys. What was the point that you had before that? Uh, the special teams is like, are we sure Michael oh, Clay right. is good at his job? So one thing I'll say in fairness for Michael Clay is like they, he was a big reason why they won a game last year against the Panthers when um, uh, Sean Bradley and TJ Edwards, I mean, Sean Bradley, I felt really made the play on that, mm-hmm. on the blocked punt that turned into a touchdown eventually. Uh, TJ Edwards blocked it and whatever that I, I don't remember who recovered whatever, but they didn't score on the punt. They scored uh, on the ensuing drive. Biggest play of that game. Again, another terrible opponent that like, they almost that they almost lost to, by the way, the Panthers uh, without that play, they probably don't win, but I'm well, with they you. Uh, they, yeah, you're right. They, 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 they probably, they almost certainly don't win. Um, but I'm with you on the, uh, on the return game specifically, their return game has been trash. I mean, for not just last year, but in recent Forever. years, they haven't had a good returner in such a long time. Like Rager was supposed to be that guy as like, you know, even if he wasn't going to be a great receiver necessarily, they he at least brought punt return value because he did it at TCU and he like did it effectively mm-hmm. at TCU. And we've seen him return a punt for a touchdown once against the Packers his rookie year. But beyond that, I mean, you can't really even trust him to field the ball. Yeah, the, the, it was his muff against uh, the Buccaneers in the playoffs, completely deflating. When they have to put in a guy like Greg Ward just to field the ball, you know he's not going to get anything on the return. Like you're lucky if you get like six, seven yards out of him, like on a return. But he's he's just there, like sort of like a Jason Avant kind of guy, just to catch the football. Like opposing teams don't fear that. And then on the kick return side. Um, Boston Scott would like trip over like an imaginary fishing wire at like the 17 yard line on every return. Teams were like trying to pop it up. The Eagles used to do this mm-hmm. under chip. They used to try to, uh, and chip and FIP, they try to pop the ball up inside the five, make the other team 
uh, take the ball out and hopefully you tackle them, you know, inside the 20 or the 25 or whatever, but also hopefully you get a penalty, like a holding or like a low block yeah. or something like that. Block and, you know, guys, you, know, you have, you have the, your, the opposing offense is now starting potentially inside their own 10 yard line. I'd be curious to see how many times the Eagles had to do that last year, by the way. Um, but yeah, their, their return game has just been terrible in terms of like the offensive end of the return game, kick returns and punt returns, not coverage. They, they, I mean, they just haven't valued the returner position really at all. I guess they signed this off season, Britton Covey uh, to, mm-hmm. you know, maybe be who knows if he makes the team. Um, they had Jason Huntley who I thought showed some juice in uh, the week, the week 18 game against the Cowboys, even in the preseason and training camp, like he showed that he can yes. do things. Why not just, why not dress that guy? And have him return kicks. I don't get. I don't right. get why why he didn't get more opportunities last year. Jimmy, um, he had the second longest return of the season. <laughs> he only had like two returns all year. Yeah, right. Well, so um, I I did a Huntley player. Let me let me pull this over there. It's actually a pretty funny stat. Uh, he looked good in OTAs, by the way. You weren't there, but he had, he had yeah good moments. Jason right, Huntley player review. Something up. Typing, typing, typing. Uh, all right. So non Huntley returns. Well, first of all, he had five kick returns for touchdowns uh, in college around a 4 4 0 40. He had three returns last year for 84 yards. So he only got three returns yeah. uh, okay. for, three. for one of them. 20, the 20, 28 of the yards, <laughs> 28 yards per return. Uh, the non-Huntley punt kick returners, 17.6 yards per return. That is yeah. horrendous. Right. 17.6 is awful, awful return average yeah. for the full season. Terrible. And again, like he showed juice as a runner in training camp last year. It wasn't like, oh, this guy <laughs> stinks out loud on offense, hasn't shown anything, but he can kick return. Like, no, like he showed some kind of like intriguing talent. Maybe, you know, he's not going to get on the field a ton. Maybe he doesn't pass protect well enough, whatever. Okay, fine. But, like, you know, get him a touch once per game. And if you don't, still <laughs> right. use him as a kick returner. Like, fine, you have to find a role for that guy. There's no way you're maximizing. There's no way all the other roster spots you're using are, like, so important and so valuable that Jason Huntley can't be on the team. No, that's ridiculous. I'm so, surprised he wasn't more of, like, a Nay Brown type candidate last year. I mean, it was unfortunate because he got banged up a little bit late. Oh, that's right. He missed some time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if Who's your Nate Brown uh, candidate this year, by the way? Hmm. Good question. Um, as So let's define this. As someone like who's standing out in training camp and then doesn't Yeah, produce? it kind of comes out out of nowhere. gets, you know, people all jazzed up. Uh, hmm. I'm looking at the roster here because I have to make People sure start to have uh, unrealistic expectations for the for the, for that guy. It's not it's not necessarily a death knell for the player during the season. Mm-hmm. Like they could go out and maybe play well or whatever. But uh, it's like the the unexpected training camp standout that everyone seems to. Yo, you know who it was last year? It was Tyree Jackson. Yeah. Who are you going with? Do you want? I'm going to go with Britton Covey. Hmm. He already got some the, Dallas Goddard love the during uh, during uh, OTAs. Kind of struggled in OTs, I have to say. <laughs> didn't he's didn't also the look... kind of guy like he it's he's you know not a, like a tackle breaker, but he can conceivably get open, especially out of the slot. Um, get open, make a bunch of catches during like Greg Ward used to do that. 
he like playing out of the slot. He could get open and make a bunch of catches during camp. Uh, ultimately, when the season came around, you know, it didn't really translate to anything scary for opposing defenses to worry about. But can like do damage during training camp practices with the style of player he is. Like not in, like especially not in pads. He's like the kind of guy that can really stand out in practice. He's going to get like some early love, I think. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Zach Pascal. And okay. Like he's a known player. So it's not like an unknown guy, but Pascal looked good in the one OTA practice that he participated in. And I, he's the kind of guy, you know, the dog mentality stuff. Who, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. He's like at practice, you know, he's like, he's going super hard in practice <laughs> every single time. Like Jordan Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Like he's running out every, like, yeah, exactly. So I could see him absolutely kind of like really, you know, showing up in, in, in being a bigger, you know, presence in training camp than he would okay. actually in the offense. So I'm going to go with him. All right. Do you have any more concerns? No. I mean, that's it. As far as the ones that I wrote down to me, you know, uh, it's hurts. Number one, it's gaining number two. And then kind of wrapping it in there is the just like, can you beat a good team? How do you look against a good team? And that, yeah, that kind of goes right. to both Hertz and Gannon because Hertz again has never gone up against another top quarterback and led his team to victory over that top quarterback and outproduced that top quarterback. And then Gannon has not stopped a respect. hasn't even had a respectable performance really against a top quarterback. So it's all mm-hmm. about like, you know, for me, like quality of opponent, can they actually do that? And they don't really deserve any benefit of the doubt, in my opinion, until they actually do it. Like, I'm not going to just assume they can until we actually see them go out and beat a good team or two, or again, or at least look like they belong in a game with that kind of opponent. Real quick, I did want to mention that you said deflating uh, in reference to, I believe, Aaron Sipas's punts at the end of the year. Okay. Um, you mentioned it in a game against Tom Brady. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even mention the poor punter who's gotten a lot of uh oh I guess you did yeah, during yeah. the special teams part. Um but that guy's gotten and it just goes to show like I guess how much they improved the roster this offseason. Sure. That like one of the focuses of the fans, uh and me too for that matter, has been uh can we get a competition for the punter? It was really bad at the end of the year. It was like disastrous. <laughs> like if not to say he's gonna be like that completely again, but like well, yeah, but it got cold. He was well. I guess he was bad in Tampa too. It was pretty nice that day, if I recall. He was he was bad once it did start getting cold. But yes, he's still bad in the playoffs as well. Yeah, where it, it was warm like and it was warm in Tampa, freezing. Yeah, so kind of concerning. All right. I mean, ideally they won't punt too much because you're just going to go for it. But still, you're going to have to punt at some point, and you want your guy to not stink. It's not like they need the NFL's best punter all of a sudden, but they can't have it be a liability. When do they start signing USFL guys, by the way? So I saw the some team did that yesterday. Oh, so that, that has already begun. So okay. I think it has begun. I forget who it was, but I saw a team out there. So something to keep an eye on. The Eagles, I feel like, typically wait a little bit closer to training camp to do some roster moves each year. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, you kind of a little under the radar scoop here by you with Brett Toth and Tyree Jackson uh, yeah. beginning to camp on the active slash pup list which means they potentially not definitely uh assuming they miss all of training camp and everything are subject to beginning the season on the reserve slash pup list which means they would at least miss the first four games which is different from previous years used to be six games that a player would have to miss uh now it is four at the very least so 
Very thank minor. you I mean, to Brandon for pointing that out. I had it wrong in my articles. I had six. The NFL very quietly changed that rule. Yes. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know that they changed that rule. Uh, but yeah, so like it, that's actually a nice tool for them because uh, you know Tyree Jackson or and or Brett Toth, you know they could be needed at some point mm-hmm. this year, um, and that gives them a little time to not have to be included on the 53 man roster if they are, if they can, if they stay on the pup list uh, mm-hmm. through the entirety of training camp and into the regular season. Although disappointing for Jackson more so because, you know, yeah, this yeah, yeah. should be, you know, another, uh, should be an opportunity for a player who only <laughs> converted to tight end in his first full training camp last year. Um, the know, bigger injury for him was the back injury that he suffered during uh, the joint practices with the Patriots because yeah. I think he would have had a legit role in the offense last year. Um, I mean, especially, especially if they traded Ertz. After, but, yeah, after the Ertz trade. But that injury derailed him. Yeah. Once he once that happened, then he just wasn't going to be part of the game plan at all no. until and then he got to play in the meaningless game and he did some things in that game before he mm-hmm. tore his ACL. But yeah, really tough break for him on both injuries that he that he suffered last year. And like I said earlier, there would like Eagles kind of being a little thin there behind Dallas Goddard. Like if he's healthy, Mm -hmm. perfect opportunity for him to kind of establish himself and be that number two guy. And okay, okay, we feel good. At least we feel okay if we lose Goddard for a little bit and we have Tyree Jackson here. So um, unfortunate, but uh, always a chance that either of those guys gets healthier sooner than expected and they don't have to do that, but we'll see. By the way, uh, the pup list guys, that doesn't mean that there won't be more. So what happens sometimes is when players report back to back to you know for camp or whatever there occasionally there's a surprise like something mm-hmm. happened to a guy you know either while they were walk, working out on their own or uh you know just a, a a weird freak injury and they they come back and they get um they they take their you know conditioning tests or whatever and some guys wind up on the pup list because they have some unknown injury that or some, the team didn't know about it and then they wind up on the pup list too. So it doesn't mean that it's only Tyree Jackson and Brett Toth. There could be more, but those guys will definitely be on it. Remember, I think it was last year. Remember Jalen Rager like didn't he showed up to camp and he like failed his conditioning. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, he reported he that was that McLean. Test. That was last year. I forget, but yeah, that was last year. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, that was a bad sign. <laughs> I I did forget about that, but that was a bad sign right off the bat. Yeah. So <laughs> hopefully not this year for his sake. <laughs> Right. Anything else to me? Any right. final thoughts? Uh, no. Like I said at, at the open, we'll uh, we'll look at the reasons for optimism in our next podcast episode. Maybe I don't know. Some maybe next weekend, whatever. Uh, until then, we have, uh, like you said, twelve days until the start of training camp. I'm going to try to enjoy those to the fullest. Uh, before the you know our work schedules ramp up to an extreme degree, but I'm also kind of excited for training camp this year. I feel like it's got way more juice than it did last year when the team just felt like they definitely weren't going anywhere. And mm-hmm. as it kind of turned out, they weren't ever going anywhere, even if they did sort of surprisingly make the playoffs and win nine games or whatever. Um, but this year it feels like uh, there will be, you know, much more interest in the team. And um, yeah, I think it'll be a fun camp this year. Whereas last year felt more like, okay, we're looking toward the future than the present. Absolutely. Well put my final thought. 
surprise, is food-related. And I wanted to give <laughs> a shout-out here to at Chef Ruben Philly. That is R-E-U-B-E-N, Ruben. Uh, Chef Ruben Philly, really good pop-up, Jimmy. Are you familiar with a pop-up? You know, no. This is like that. Okay. Well, sometimes you'll have a you know like a like a food truck sometimes you know okay. or that's not i don't think what this was in this case but you know someone who like they don't have their own you know brick and mortar like you know storefront so they'll they'll do a little like kind of uh pop up at someone who does do that and there's this place in philly called herman's coffee okay. which hosts a bunch of these they'll they'll you know kind of let out let other people use their space to serve food because they don't serve food they're just like a coffee place but mm-hmm. so for food options they'll let people kind of uh, set up stuff and this dude had these really good like indian fusion like tacos so okay. there's this one that had like kebab and tahini hummus and white sauce and onions and baby radish and cilantro um, and there's another one called tea carnitas so it was like a you know like a chicken tikka but mixed with like you know a, a carnitas like you know, okay like pork sure uh, and he also had these really good tots um are like amazing where uh i'm reading it here cilantro lime sauce onions and chicharron dust with this like queso on the tots so they're really good is the point being and uh i would like to see him do more pop-ups so give him a follow on instagram again at chef ruben philly um is that ruben r-u-b-e-n or r-e-u oh you did okay sorry yeah i did but yeah good good call out still to clarify um even though you didn't listen so yeah give him a follow and stay tuned to his stuff because I thought it was really good. Um, that's all I've got for this week's episode of BGN Radio. So make sure you go to RighteousSelling.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Same discount code works at WildNaturePet.com for 15% off. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon Gouton. Follow Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter simply at Jimmy Kemsky. At BGN underscore radio is the place where you find the podcast on Twitter at bleeding green on Twitter and then at bleeding green Insta for the Twitter and Instagram handles for the BGN pages respectively. And which you're going to be wanting to follow surely during training camp and everything. Um, Jimmy, should we tease the, maybe what we're going to do for training camp this year, or should we just say we, we have a new idea because we haven't maybe locked it in yet. We're going to try to add a new feature for the people maybe we should just tease it and yeah i think what we're gonna do is don't deliver on it (laughs) i actually just bought equipment for it uh okay that should be arriving leave it there leave it tomorrow there okay okay so all right so i'm gonna try to add in a new feature that maybe you'll enjoy during training camp so they'll be quick and punchy like 15 minute episodes if that On on the podcast side of things so you know we'll see how that goes um need to buy sell or rent a house, right? You, you want to call Kristen Roach at this number. 856-906-9295. Or you can go to roachrealtors.com. You should also check out the SB Nation NFL show where there's a plenty of good league-wide coverage going on. Jimmy, they just did a podcast, they being RJ Ochoa and Michael Peterson, who is from the Chargers blog, the SB Nation, mm-hmm. Bolts from the Blue, talking about kind of like the biggest things in the off season that you wish didn't happen. For example, like Tom Brady on retiring was the number one thing, but uh, the chargers guy, Michael Peterson brought up, he wishes the chargers didn't lose Kaiser white 
because like you know he, he thinks yeah. that's going to be a loss for them so i thought that was a little interesting to see so you know just interesting national perspective on that show so go check out daniel jeremiah too said that was a, a okay. loss for the chargers as well he and does their obviously- uh he, yeah. he covers them like he does their he's their play by play now their color analyst uh, mm-hmm. for their preseason games. He's so he's like their there. he's like their Ross Tucker. He's he's low key a Chargers fan considering he's like a big <laughs> yes. Padres fan and <laughs> right. in San Diego. Um, so yeah, so you know some interesting stuff on the SB Nation NFL show. So go subscribe and check that out as well. Okay, so that is this week's episode. We'll be back as Jimmy said next week with the reasons to be positive about the Eagles 2022 season, of which there are many reasons for that. So we'll balance out today's episode with that. Thanks for sticking with us. We will talk to you all next time. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N.